2: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I am finally introducing my two gaming dads for the last time from a work-from-home setup because we are so close to the studio. So introducing my two favorite people here on planet Earth, Mr. Paris Lilly and Gary Whitta, the rogue one. Now, Gary, I'm going to start with you because couple weeks ago me and Paris got to rub it in your face that we had a nice dinner date together Gary it's your turn for us to rub it in Paris Lily's face that we had a good dinner together
0: yeah I mean first of all Paris is Paris has really got no doesn't have a leg to stand on he's not he wasn't even in town so like what does he expect us to do fucking fly him in for it for a dinner (laughs) I I was actually in town when you guys went off and had your little two-thirds of an ex-cast in and out jamboree and didn't and didn't bother to call me uh, but when we did so, you know, Mike, as you know, you've recently come into town. You were like, listen, I'm new in San Francisco. I just I just got off the off the turnip truck, you know, show show me the hot spots, show me the places, and of course we got to take you to the house of Prime Rib because it is a, a San Francisco institution. And um I'm I'm glad to have laid any any doubts you may have had to rest. With. I did hear that on the mm. on the uh, podcast this week you were talking about ah, oh, maybe I, I won't maybe I won't like the food. Uh, but you, me, uh blessing Andy. And uh, Kevin all went to the house of prime rib, and uh,
2: I'm not telling you house of prime never misses. You ended up uh, having a pretty good meal, right? Never misses. Paris Lily, he is the real deal. It was unbelievable. Probably the best meal <laughs> I think I've ever had. It was one of that's those. What you said nights. that's right. Andy
0: Cortez said these are the best
2: mashed potatoes I've ever
0: had. You had the best meal ever. It doesn't miss. Paris, of course, if you'd have been in town, we you you would yeah, have been there yeah, with us. Yeah. But uh, we'll get we'll we'll get we'll get you on the flip side. The other thing I want to say, by the way, since you're talking about. <laughs> The funny, the funny the funny thing is, I didn't even think about it at the time, but now that I know that Paris is is a little bit um annoyed that he wasn't there, actually in retrospect, the meal was just that much better because I did oh. get to get him back oh. for that for that in and out disc that he that he uh, threw my way the other week. The other thing I do want to say though, is I did since you' talking about this is the last it is, you're right, this is the last one where we'll we're doing it. In, you know this is the last kind of pandemic era you know the pandemic you know put us all in these little brady bunch boxes and we've been here for a long time now i had an opportunity to come by the new studio earlier this week and i gotta tell you i was really really impressed by it. whatever whatever the, the people out there that are excited to see the new space whatever it is you think it is it's more impressive than that i was really really blown away by it and i can't wait to actually be in the studio um with you guys uh doing this the way it was meant to be like you know face face. to
2: Yeah, so excited for that, Gary. And you got to see the new tease of a brand new X-Cast set as well. We'll give that a little teaser for everybody. So that will be great. But Paris, of course, we put one over on you. We had another big meal. So I'm the one (laughs) lucking out because I've had meals with both of my gaming dads now in the past couple of weeks. But I believe you two will be going out for a meal very soon. So that will be nice to have you both. Yeah. It's like, it's,
0: it's like, it's like, it's like we're two gaming divorce dads and we've got one <laughs> of custody of Mike. He gets him on one weekend. I get him on the next weekend.
3: <laughs> okay. I, I, I do have to say, you want to know what annoyed me the most about seeing that tweet? It was you, Mike. Oh. It was you. you. You you were rocking the turtleneck. You, so good. you just looked so happy. You were so happy. But I really, got to tell you, Mike. Mike, pair, Mike was, was concerned about the dress shorts. code. He's he like, "Can yeah. I wear shorts?" <laughs> so I was like, "I don't know. Make
0: a bit of an effort." There's no real dress code. <laughs> um, but no, he. he I, I don't know how well you know the House of Prime Ribbit, but it's very kind of old school supper club kind of vibes. And Mike with the turtleneck and chain, mm-hmm. like he, he really fit. He fit right in. I think I felt, he's going to do very right. well here in
2: San Francisco. Oh, I think so too. Best. Uh, of course, turning my attention to you, Paris. How are you doing today? It's nice to see you back again uh, for one of our final at home, work from home setups. How are you doing, though?
3: I'm good. I'm good. Um I'm I'm excited to come up there next week and see yeah. the studio because uh I've, you know, even when I was up there a couple of weeks ago, I purposely didn't want to see it cuz I want to be genuinely surprised. Um uh, when we have the opening on the 14th and um I actually get to see Gary what in like 2 days from when we're recording this at mm-hmm. TwitchCon. So looking forward to that. Sure catch up with a lot of other people at TwitchCon as well. So so it's a good time. It's going to be see, a good. There you go.
0: Of weeks. So there you go. It all, it all goes around. So you and you and uh, you and I Paris in TwitchCon this weekend. What- yeah have a meal Michael yes. be invited so at some point everyone's
2: been frozen out <laughs> <laughs> well it's really exciting guys we got a lot of fun stuff to get into on this episode of course we're gonna be talking about a big rumor of Halo possibly switching engines which everybody needs to know about and we also have a really dope developer interview with the team over at Obsidian entertainment <laughs> Talking about Grounded and their journey through early access. But we'll tell you all about that in just a little bit. Let's jump in because this is the kind of funny X cast we post each and every Wednesday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash kind of funny games, roosterteeth.com, and of course on podcast services around the globe. Kind of funny, best friends, X cast viewers and listeners, make sure to mark this down because it's finally happening Friday the 14th. We're moving into the spare bedroom our 5,000-square-foot state-of-the-art studio in San Francisco. And you're invited to the Marathon Stream to end all Marathon Streams. It starts at 11 a.m. PT with Cisco. A lot, of course, so many other incredible kind of funny best friends like James and Elise Willems and so many more doing some of your favorite bits live while funding a whole bunch of brand-new kind of funny content. You don't want to miss that Friday, October 14th at 10 a.m., Pacific time. Now, that means next week will be totally different because on Monday the 10th, we will record just kind of funny games daily in the final kind of funny podcast from home with all other content taking the week off, except for your special Patreon exclusive Greg Greg Gregway vlogs. But that means for the kind of funny X cast, this is our final work from home episode. We'll take next week off and we will be back on a new date starting on october 19th the xcast will move to wednesday records. so we know we flip-flopped on you from saturdays now over to tuesdays and wednesdays now we're going to record on wednesday post on thursday for all of you So starting october 19th the xcast crew will be back and better than ever in a brand new studio space that you don't want to miss out of course don't forget that we are now epic games partners which means if you are buying games off the epic Games store if you're upgrading your look in rocket league fortnite or fall guys please use our epic creator code at checkout anytime to help support the team with kind of funny as that epic creator code talking about support we always want to give a big thank you to the people who support us over on patreon for the month of october thank you to gordon mcguire fargo brady Pranksky, dan golden spider b tyler ross delaney twining first responder nd julian the gluten-free gamer james hastings and casey andrew Thank you all so much for your support over on Patreon. This week, The Kind of Funny X-Cast is sponsored by NZXT, Canvas Gaming Monitors, and Chime. But myself and the team will tell you all about that in just a little bit. Guys, let's jump right in to a spicy one. A questionable one, Paris Lily, which has my, my, uh, you know, I'm intrigued, we'll call it right now. So... The big one right now is Halo switching game engines. You have a great piece up right now on Windows Gaming Central from our friend Jez Corden over there who is doing a little digging into a possible rumor that Halo fans and Xbox fans definitely want to know about. So the article goes like this. Last week, YouTuber Sean W. shared a video detailing some rumors he heard about Halo Infinite along with some speculation about what may be going on Moving forward, at its core, Sean W. reported that Halo's Tatanka Battle Royale-like mode may be moving over uh, ditching sp- Slipspace Engine or was never using the Slipspace Engine from the onset. In conversations with 343 Industries staff, past and present, who wish to remain anonymous, Halo's internal Slipspace Engine has been blamed for much of the problems with the ongoing game development. Two separate sources. Des- described the launch state of split spaces developer tools as quote non-existent end quote descriptions paint a bleak picture for contractors and new 343 industry staff who had worked who had to work with a difficult engine and with light on documentation and pipeline maturity now it seems like they will be switching over to the unreal engine of course he ends this with of course i would caution to take all this with a pinch of salt until we get some kind of official statement from microsoft or some concrete physical evidence paris i'll start off with you the idea of moving away from the slip space engine halo infinite special engine to go over to unreal could this be true is this the right move
3: You know, it's interesting when I first saw this unfolding and and I saw what what Jez had initially said that he didn't believe it. I was with him. I was like, I don't believe this. Why why would they do that? But then as we started to see again, when there's smoke, there's fire. Right. I'm leaning towards I can't I believe it. I think this is going to happen. Ironically enough, some other news that dropped today with CD Projekt Red and their long term roadmap with all their games, they're switching The Witcher and Cyberpunk over to Unreal as well. It's kind of looking like Unreal 5 is going to be the go to engine in, in this generation of gaming. And it's pretty clear from everything that we talked about with Halo Infinite over the past few weeks and months there's definitely something at the system level with that engine that is preventing them from getting content out on a routine basis. So maybe the decision was made that, all right, certain affinity with uh, whatever they're doing with this alleged battle royale, that's on Unreal where there already was, maybe it shifted over now. But I I think the bigger thing out of this is, I got a feeling that Halo Infinite is not going to be the 10 year project that they initially thought. I think Halo Infinite, will have a short shelf life in the sense that, yeah, we'll probably get some campaign content, we'll get additional obviously multiplayer things, but as soon as the next Halo is ready on Unreal, they're gonna move everything over to that. that that's kind of what, again, this is all rumor, it could be completely wrong, but kind of looking at it from the outside in, I think it makes sense with all the development problems that they've had with Slipspace, Why continue to bang your head against a wall if you can migrate over to an engine that is going to be developer friendly, that is going to allow you to get content out quicker? Hell, we see what Epic does with Fortnite. Every time you look around, they got something new out. So if this is the cadence that we can expect with Unreal, then yeah, you make that decision and you do it.
2: Wow. That's some wild stuff, Paris. And I like your in depth analysis on that one. That's why I turned to Gary because. You know, when you read through Jez's report here and his investigation, you think about teams that already use Unreal on the Xbox side, right? You think of the Coalition, you think of Undead Labs, they use that and the partnerships that could help benefit this team to put out content faster, but also building your own engine. And what we talked about of the year-long delay, how game the game did look and run. My worry is, Gary, now is I'm not a developer. Is the game going to feel different? Is it going to run differently differently? Is this going to be an issue moving forward if it's not the Halo that I was playing just a year ago prior to all of this? Gary, you've been around the industry for so long. Have you seen games like this just ditch an engine and just mid-game go somewhere else?
0: During development, sure, not after release. And I think that is... I, I can't even imagine what that would look like. How they would, and I don't think this is. I I, I don't think this is necessarily what they're planning. Like the idea of, you know, because Halo is a live game, right? It's up every week. How they would just suddenly like put take bring it down and put it up under a new engine, and have that be a seamless. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's possible. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a developer. It just it, I think it would be pretty unprecedented for a game of that, of that scope and scale. Um, holistically, I think it's an interesting question, you know, why it, 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 it's something maybe to ask developers, you know, if, if you think about like all the games that are out like the big kind of 3d games, um, many of them are using either unreal engine, uh, or unity or, you know, a, a, a kind of off the shelf, um, solution, mostly unreal, obviously is kind of the market leader or the, or, or the, you know, they're using, using their own. And there's pros and cons to both, right? Both both are very expensive. It's it's expensive to to build your own 3D engine. It's also expensive to um license it from, from Epic. You know, Unreal is is an ex, is an expensive product, but it's also the you know, arguably the best one out there. I think the other reason when in, in some of the few conversations I've had with developers about this, one of the reasons why developers do like um Unreal so much is not just that it is really kind of an amazing engine with this incredible tool set, and we've seen some of the results that it's capable of if you look at some of the um the the uh the the demo uh, videos that have been going around for the past few months showcasing what you know UE5 is going to be capable of going forward i mean they're absolutely incredible almost like photorealistic you know imagery it really really does feel like truly next gen but the other reason that i know developers like it is it's like it's kind of like you know driving a toyota if it breaks down like you can always get parts right like unreal has tremendous unreal engine has tremendous tremendous support resources and uh you know it's 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 a very easy engine uh to maintain and improve and keep stable and developers like it for that reason and that maybe maybe one of the reasons why it would be attractive to um the halo developers you know we know that ever since we'll probably never know like the full picture of this but we know that ever since launch um and, and obviously even before because it was delayed by a whole year right the developers have been kind of behind the eight ball in terms of in terms of where they want to be always running to catch up they never feels like there's quite enough content there's 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 not enough hours in the day for them to do all the things that they want to do and if they have if they have identified and again this is obviously a big if but if they have identified uh the difficulty with the engine and it's making me think of some of the difficulties that um, EA's developers remember when the Frostbite engine Frostbite, got forced yeah. on everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't—they didn't like it. It's like this actually, like you know, it's a, it's it's a very nice idea. Oh, everyone's just going to be on Frostbite now, but Frostbite's not necessarily the best fit for every application for every kind of game. And and some developers were were really struggling. with having to use a, a an engine that wasn't their first choice and wasn't really fit for purpose for the kind of game that they were making. Um, and so if if they have identified that part of the reason why things are taking longer than they should is, you know, they're fighting with the engine all the time and and, and they've done some kind of assessment and thought, well, if we were building this at Unreal, we could do this in half the time and that would free us up to make more content and do other things. It might not be as simple as that, but maybe it is, I don't know. Um, it, it, that, that seems like a a, a change worth making if it, if it would allow them to finally kind of get ahead of of where they are right now, which like I said, is like constantly just a little bit behind where the community wants them to be.
2: Seems like a lot behind, Gary. We're we're really behind.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, like. I may I may be being mm. overly overly generous again. I've not been playing been playing um, Halo recently, so I'm not, If I was playing it every week and like really kind of feeling that the paucity of that content, I probably would be get, kind of giving them a um, a harder time. But uh, yeah, it's uh, they, they they clearly have a lot of catching up to do. We, we've had conversations on this very show about like is Halo in existential crisis? I mean, depending on who you talk to. Uh, there's either work to be done or like a hell of a lot of work to be done. But no, but I don't think anybody, not even, you know, Joe Staten when he was on the show recently would try and tell you that everything in Halo's garden is rosy. I mean, he actually seemed quite contrite when he was on the show, if you recall. And he acknowledged the fact that they are, they are not where they want to be. And it's been, it's kind of felt like one, 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 one apology and one, You know, kind of contrite community, you know, update after another. We're getting there. We're sorry. We know you're disappointed, but we're gonna, we're trying harder. Like you know, that that's never the 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 optics that you want to be putting out, right? You want the community to be happy with the game, and that's almost impossible these days, right? Communities are never entirely happy, but they're they're Mm -hmm. unhappy in this case with with good reason. They are they're just not able to kind of keep up with um the, you know the 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 community demand for for new content and like i said if it turns out that part of that reason is that the engine is making things take you know the pri- proprietary engine they have is making you know the iteration and the execution of of new features and bringing new content into the game uh longer than it would be if they had like a nice easy to work with engine like uh like unreal and i've never spoken to to a developer that that doesn't enjoy working with the unreal engine like they really have kind of like got that honed to a fine to a fine razor point over at Epic, making that engine look kind of really uh, a joy to work with. Um, I, 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 again, I don't know what kind of like transitional period that would look like for them to, to shift to, to shift everything over into a completely new engine. It's, a, it's obviously not a small undertaking, but they they may have identified that in the long term it is a necessary step in kind of riding riding the ship. And boy, does it need riding.
3: Well, I, I'll say again, I'll, I'll go back to the CD Projekt Red news that came out with their their roadmap. The fact that they've pivoted from the Red Engine to Unreal 5 and they've committed this new Witcher trilogy every like once the first one comes out every two years, a, a new Witcher game is going to be coming out. That's extremely aggressive to be saying, which kind of goes to your point, Gary, that there must be th- this must be very developer friendly this engine that if they had this confidence this early on to say, we think we can turn around content within a 24 month period for a brand new AAA game, you know, makes me think bringing it to halo at some point, leadership, like uh, we've obviously seen a transition out with leadership with, you know, Bonnie Ross is out. They've, they now have this, this trio of people handling the business that is halo. Um, we already know Joe Staten is in place and he's already made t- t- tough decisions with Infinite. If a decision has been made that we don't think we can maintain slip space and Halo Infinite long term, you cut the cord now. You do it now. If they think they have a better solution, you cut the cord now, support it for a few more years, work on a new Halo experience in the back end. Certain infinities already working on a battle royale that can kind of be a, a stopgap in between and then give us another Halo game that's going to be easier for them to support. Because what have we been saying forever? This is their flagship IP. They can't screw this up. So I would rather them do this now and then get things right moving forward. than again, just keep banging your head against a wall with a solution that simply is not viable long term.
0: I think to your point, Paris, that that um, I and again, I'm not I'm not an expert on the developer side, but from the little that I do know, I get the sense that that very aggressive, you know, two year um you know a new witcher game every two years which which by the way has already got a lot of people talking about well what about crunch and you know we we're, right, all, we're right. very concerned about those things yeah. these days but you know that aside i i would argue that that kind of very aggressive schedule is only possible if you outsource a big chunk of the work to someone like you know like creating an engine is a huge part of the that's you know that's very time consuming it's a huge part of your development team but if you just bring an engine in and obviously ue5 is, is tremendous and developers love it um, Again, that's just a huge part of the of the undertaking. You don't have to worry about, and it's you know again, it's my understanding is it's easy to use. There's very robust support available from Epic if you need help, and developers just like using it. And it's just one massive less thing to worry about. If you're if you're also having to worry about building and maintaining your own proprietary engine, I don't know if you could even you know think of a, a schedule. As aggressive as that, and and I think again, Halo, you know, the three four three guys might be looking at the same thing. If we want to get aggressive with this, and we want to be iterating and updating content and bringing it out at the at the at the rate that the community demands and where we want to be there there's got to be some kind of like internal strategic shift towards getting a lot of this workload off of our backs and you know and if that means paying a bunch of money to epic to bring uh to bring the unreal engine in again it really makes me think about frostbite because we will remember what a nightmare yeah. that was for the developers oh we have our own proprietary engine we're going to force everyone to use it but it was it, it, you know it was it was a big hassle it wasn't a brilliant engine it wasn't purpose built for every kind of game Um, and it's weird that we're talking about slip space, obviously it was purpose-built for Halo, but it's still presumably a a hassle. And I think you, I think you probably are going to see overall, like overall, because of the wider development landscape, more, less and less proprietary engine development and, and UE5 and whatever the competitors out there is going to, I think that's going to be increasingly the model. Um, just, you know, bring, bring the engine in from outside and, and let out, let our developers, you know, focus on, on the other stuff.
2: Coming in from our live chat, watching over on Patreon, thank you all so much for supporting us and watching live. Eric Z writes in and says, I think switching is a good idea, but be we- but be real with your players. Tell them what it means in the long term. And Paris, that's something you brought up earlier, right? If you switch it, now we kind of have to sunset where we're at now and restart and pick up the pieces. How does Halo and 343 Industries come out and tell that to the players that are already clinging on? to what is pretty much a dying game with content that we're hoping for more to revitalize this. How do you share that message? How do you make that easy for players to get behind?
3: I don't think you need to say anything right now, because this is obviously all rumor and speculation and people data mining and and doing the investigative work behind the scenes to try and figure out what's going on. But clearly Microsoft Nord 343 has officially said anything about this. The message they put out is we, here's our roadmap. Here's the content you're going to get for season three and 2023. I would imagine post that if if it is true and you start having other things already that if Halo Infinite is it's going to end. And again, this is all speculation. We don't know anything. If Halo Infinite is going to end within the next couple of years, then then at that point, yeah, get out in front of it and communicate that to the community that, hey, we've decided to move on to other Halo projects. Like I keep going back to CD Projekt Red, but basically what they just did today where they they laid it out. Look, Cyberpunk, we're going to give you an expansion. After that, we're done with this version of Cyberpunk. We're going to create a brand new Cyberpunk experience, and then we're going to give you all these Witcher games. Moving forward, just do that with Halo, if, if that's going to be the case. That way, people know. You, you know what to expect. You set expectations, even if it's still a few years out, and you move on accordingly. I mean, look, mist- mistakes happen. If, if Halo Infinite, the 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 vision that they had for it is simply not going to work and they've realized that it's not going to work, I would rather them tell me sooner than later that it's not going to work. So so people can adjust and move on from that, because this IP clearly is way too important, you know, to, to just let it die on a vine. So they got to do whatever they need to do to keep it going.
2: Some really interesting stuff there i highly encourage you if you are interested in this story go check out Jez's write-up over on windows central gaming of course friend of the show giving you some really good in-depth digging into this rumor and of course there's going to be a whole lot more coming out of this in the weeks to come and months and onward and we'll find out if we ever get any clear concrete details on it but guys we have a really fun one coming up i have an interview with shyla Schofield, social media manager at obsidian entertainment to talk about their team's journey from early access to full release for grounded 1.0 that we talked about and reviewed last week so get ready for a really fun interview and then after that guys i'm going to ask you a simple question which is your favorite fallout game because we're celebrating 25 years of fallout right after a word from our sponsors shout out to nzxt canvas gaming monitors we
1: are huge fans of nzxt here are kind of funny and i gotta say these monitors they're andy cortez approved kevin coelho approved and tim gettys approved because of their sweet 1440p resolution with 165 hertz refresh rate and one millisecond response hits that sweet spot for gamers due to the balance of picture and performance and now available in a 1080p 240 hertz version for the most competitive of gaming situations They're available in 27-inch and 32-inch curved displays, variable refresh rate support for all of the major GPUs. You can get the monitor just alone, you can get it with a stand, or you can get it with some pretty cool mounts. There's built-in software support with NZXT Cam that lets you control all your monitor settings directly on your PC. No need to mess with the clunky hardware menus to lock in your desired settings. They thought of it all. It's sold exclusively on NZXT.com. You can learn more about the NZXT FHD Canvas Gaming Monitors at NZXT. nzxt.co slash kfgfhd. That's nzxt.co slash kfgfhd. Shout out to Chime for sponsoring this episode. What's the first thing you do when you wake up? Is it checking up on your credit score? I don't think so. At Chime, that's exactly what they do. With their secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card, you can start to build credit with your own money. All of this with no annual fees, large security deposits, or credit checks to apply. You can start your credit journey with Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. You can get started at Chime.com slash KF Games. That's Chime.com slash KF Games. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by Stride Bank NA, pursuant to a license from Visa U.S a Chime checking account and $200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply for the secured Chime credit builder Visa credit card. Regular on-time payment history can have a positive impact on your credit score. Impact to score may vary and some user scores may not improve. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply except at MoneyPass ATMs in a 7-Eleven or any Allpoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. Get your credit journey started with Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes, doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at Chime.com slash KFGames.
2: Welcome in, everybody. We have a fun interview with one of the Obsidian Entertainment team members for Grounded. It's Shyla Schofield, social media manager from Obsidian. Shyla, thank you so much for joining me. How are you today?
4: I am super excited. It is the first Monday since we've launched 1.0. Um, just been spending my time watching everybody play Grounded, which there's honestly nothing better to do. So it, it's I'm doing great. I am doing superb
2: that is great and of course congratulations on myself and the xbox team over here at the kind of funny house uh we want to say congratulations on a great launch of 1.0 a lot of people very high on the game a lot of excitement now and one weekend it seems like everybody is jumping into the backyard and having some fun so congratulations to you and the team and that's what we got to talk about let's talk about the first three actions here because you and i before we turned on you finally got to see the team and have a big celebration. What was that like yes. after a couple of years of the pandemic and being away from each other?
4: It was, it was so nice. It was, it was much needed. Um, obviously right now, a few people in the office are still working from home. Uh, some people like myself are hybrid. And so being able to get not only that team, but others from Obsidian together in one place to celebrate, you know, the accomplishments of grounded and what this team has done They're, I'm having a hard time, like, expressing it because it was—it was so good to do it. It's one of our first big parties that we've had since the pandemic, um, and then just to come out and celebrate a game launch. There, you know, company parties, holiday parties are great, but being able to celebrate the launch of a game and watching everybody's success and everybody finally get to relax because people are out there enjoying their little backyard baby—it's—it's great.
2: That's awesome to hear and congratulations. That's fun to get everybody together. And Shiloh, I want to get to a little bit about you before we jump yeah. into this, because I think a lot of people have seen the game. They've learned about the development over the years in early access. And I want to talk about that journey of early access, but I want to talk about you before that, of course, social oh. media manager, how long have you been with Obsidian Entertainment and how long have you been taking over social foregrounded?
4: grounded? So, uh, so for Obsidian Entertainment, I came in 2019, right before the launch of The Outer Worlds. So I came in, joined the team, and was like, social plan! And got that out the door while we were going through that launch. So that was a very exciting time. And immediately, right after that, jumped to Grounded, because it wasn't but a few weeks after we launched the Outer Worlds that we were at XO in London announcing Grounded coming up and everything. So I kind of just jumped. I still do them all, so I still do the Outer Worlds. We, we go on there, but right now, lately, because Grounded's been... So active, that that's where I've kind of been. Um, so about, I wanna say three years this month. So yay, anniversary for me, perfect.
2: Wow, <laughs> good to hang out with you on the anniversary is terrific. Let's talk yay. about that grounded team because the big story around that is a small team out of Obsidian mm-hmm. Entertainment doing something completely different than we're used to yeah. from Obsidian Entertainment and also a big passion project. So what is the size of that team? What was the selling point for you to be like, yeah, I'm all on board for jumping in and playing grounded and promoting grounded?
4: Uh, I want to say over the years the size of the team hasn't grown by much. I'm somewhere around 15, give or take a few people, which is nice. Um, what I love about that team is because they are so small, I can go to anybody and ask a question. So if I need clarification, because I'm also the ones who do, I write the vlog script and get all that recorded, and then our video editor because I'm not an editor. Um, I learned to be an editor during the pandemic. That was fun. But our video editor will put that together so that way our players can know um, all the new things coming in the blog. It's easy for me to hit up, you know, Adam Taylor, our QA lead, to be like, I have some questions. If he doesn't know, I can go to game designer Andy Arts um, and just ask the questions there. And I'm going to get the answers fairly quick because they all kind of know what each other's doing. And that's one of the great things about being on a small team is that, you know, John Lewis may do some environment art sometimes, and then he's going out and doing the visual effects. So it's it's a lot of fun being able to see how quick they move and being a part of that and being able to move just as quick and get all everything excited and everything out the door for the players to enjoy.
2: That's pretty awesome. And yeah, they talked about the small team and the passion project. And I want to talk about early access because that's what I was really interested in is the journey. It's been two years in early access. We're now at 1.0, but I think we kind of forget along the way that long time beforehand to get us here with all of this content. So if we could Mm -hmm. rewind back to July 2020, what was that like first to say, hey, let's do this in early access and let's grow from there? Was that a question for you as a social media manager where you said, I don't know about early access games, maybe this isn't the right move?
4: No, um, I'm actually, I'll take it back a little bit further to XO-19. Um, so, because you you had mentioned how Grounded is not necessarily in our wheelhouse. You know, this was our first take on a survival game. Um, the team loves survival games, so they had been playing it when that idea came out. And what was interesting about that is a lot of people on the team came from Pillars of Eternity. So they did have some experience with Kickstarter, which kind of led the way and let them feel out like, no, this is how we want to do a survival game. We want early access. We want to be able to have the community help shape and tweak all these systems that we want to add while we're building it out to make sure that everything just flows. So XO19 was an exciting time because this is, everybody was like, oh, Obsidian just launched, you know, The Outer Worlds, what are they going to announce here? And then we come out with a survival game. (laughs) And it was a lot of fun because we were all nervous. We were all anxious to see how it was going to do. But I was able to be there and watching the people at that convention playgrounded. And that was before 2020. Like they just got 15 minutes and enjoy their time was so stoked that it was kind of like, no, this is great. Can't wait to keep moving and get more people in. So once we hit the early access date in July 2020. It was amazing because we had so many people come in. Um, We were able to get the feedback, and the team has just been real great about providing updates, providing fixes, um, getting continuous content out there. My favorite thing is when I get ready to write a vlog, I'll hear, oh, yeah, no, the update's not that big this month. Don't worry about it. And I write the vlog, and I'm like, it's seven pages. like My script is seven pages. It's not tiny in my butt. Like, no, no, no. You guys are doing great. You're doing great work. So it's really been beneficial for this type of game, for our first foray into the survival, to do this early access period, to have people play the game from an outside perspective and give us the feedback that we need. Are the spiders too hard? Um, Then we can go and tweak that. Is it... Too grindy, and we need to figure out how to give you more resources earlier on, so that way you can you feel like you're progressing at a better pace. This is the type of feedback that we could only get during early access where people are playing for large, continuous amounts of time and be able to tweak and fix the game. So it's i I know the team loved it. I know the team was super excited for it, and I think if they had to do it all again, it would be this route.
2: Wow, that's really impressive to hear. and also rad to hear. And so much from that, I want to talk about the feedback. I think a lot of people talk about this game was built with the community. A lot of feedback was given over that early access period to get us to where we were today. And I think we see it in the landscape of video games today of communication goes both ways, right? A lot Mm -hmm. of the fans out there want their voices heard. And of course, they look to those developers to hear what the next move is. And so for you, what was that like working with the team, not only to taking all the feedback, but to figure out what the next step is and how did you relay that message to them? So Let's start with taking in feedback. What was that like throughout these two years?
4: Oh, that, so the credit to that goes to our player support specialist, Chris Stanick and obviously our amazing community manager, Eric Dorabiala. And they have been working with our Discord uh, since we launched Early Access. They've gone in. We have made it to where... Players can go in, they can submit feedback, and then it's a community type vote. So it's if it goes into the suggestion uh, feedback area and people like it, they can react to it. Once it hits a certain threshold of reacts, then it goes on to an Excel sheet, and Eric and Chris go through, and they meet with game director Adam Brenicky and QA lead Adam Taylor, and they start looking over the top ass, the top feedback, what players are you know complaining about, what they want to see in the game, and then they can start devising a list of, you know, this is possible right now, this is actually already being looked at, so that's good to see that it's on the list, and they can go through and within the team present what people want, and then pick and choose what makes sense at that time based off of their own roadmap. So it's really interesting. Um, And yeah, we push everybody to our Discord to go uh, submit suggestions there. We also have a help uh, center where they can go and submit them there. um, And then that way it'll just go on a different uh, format. But yeah, very, very community-driven. Come give us all the feedback. Because again, we want to make the game that we all want to play. And we can't do that without everybody being able to feel that they can have their voice heard
2: we talk about having the voices heard now on the Mm -hmm. opposite side. How did you relay that feedback back to the fans to let them know they are heard, or maybe we don't like that suggestion. We're going to go another way. What was that give and take for you and the team over on the opposite side?
4: Uh, One thing that we pride ourselves here at Obsidian is trying to keep things as transparent as possible. So if there were suggestions that just, okay, for example, the number one suggestion, number two, one of the top two is weather. I would love to have raindrops in the game. Um, But we have said that this is, you know, maybe something further down the road, but right now we can't focus on it because there's so many more things at play, such as, you think about it, you're this big, a raindrop's gonna kill you. So we have to find ways to make weather be incorporated and make it fun. Um, So we can be a little bit more upfront about that. When we have other things like pets, we could, you know, hint at stuff coming up towards updates and get people excited for that. Adam Brinecke has been great on hopping on to our weekly streams every now and then to discuss what's coming and some updates to answer players questions right then and there and be able to provide them feedback on to yes we heard you we're doing this and thank you for telling us the ant lines are no fun because they can throw ants way too far so it's just been a lot of fun um, and getting that feedback and the community has been awesome like it's it's a give and take. We have a fantastic community. They are very understanding. They are very patient and know that we're in early access. And the whole time, they've just been rooting us on. So it's been such a blessing to have our community with us this route to help us get the game to where it is now.
2: Let's talk about some fun ones here. I just want to have a little fun segment. What are some of the wildest feedback you've gotten that people want and desires? and some of the weirdest and wackiest ones.
4: Let's see, Um, a lot of quality of life updates um, came back from feedback, which are just great to see. Um, One of them was the auto ability to pick up arrows when you just run over them. Uh, A lot of players, I, I like to shoot in the back sometimes too, and then having to go and pick up every arrow you miss one by one is very tedious. And sometimes you're just like, nope, those arrows are gone. Never coming back. Well, because of uh, some feedback that the team had, they were able to implement, you know, an auto pickup to where all you have to do is run over it. And all the arrows go right back into your inventory, saving you lots of time. And now you can go fight your next big baddie. Um, One of the wildest ones, um, one of my favorite suggestions, and I'm just like, yes, this is why I love the community. We have an area in the backyard called the Haze. And it's just where there's a, a weed killer can that's just spilling over and poisoning the area. And it's great. Because of all this, there are some interesting creatures that you can go and find, um, like infected larvae who only just want to ruin your day, and weevils which will explode when they come and hug you. Um, What we didn't have at the time was an infected wolf spider, and that's where the community surprised me, and I was stoked because they started to request an infected wolf spider. Now we have one in the game, and it's this cute, adorable fungus-growing wolf spider that just likes to walk around the yard and wreak havoc, and it's great. So, But, yeah, that that came because the players, the community, wanted to see more infected creatures and more spiders. So, yay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yay is right. First off, thank you to whoever recommended the auto pickup for the arrows because I am shooting a lot of arrows in the game. I'll give you all a little tease. I don't want to spoil anything, but, of course, the assistant manager and I really collided with a lot of arrows. So I needed that one. And yes, the infected haze area is a ton of fun. Uh, me and my friends are replaying it now and we're going through that area. So I feel that a lot. Uh, next part I want to talk about is of course, when we talk about early access in a small team, right? You kind of mm-hmm. get lost in the, the void, the shuffle, the new games each and every week throughout this long period of being in early access. How did you and the team, stay energized and keep the audience energized throughout all these updates and throughout all this time. Was it a tough task to bring people back for each update and all the way up to the lead up of where we are now?
4: I honestly think a lot of that comes to do with uh, the pacing of how the team went through when they first released it and how they started to add new areas and build up the yard. Um, They made it to where the community was stoked for a while, especially early on, they were almost getting monthly or bi-monthly updates um, with tons of new content, tons of new armor and equipment. And I think having that pacing, having us continuously always be there talking to them, having those weekly streams where we could play with the community and keep them coming back, at least if they just watch us on Wednesdays until the next update, Uh, That really helped keep everyone engaged and everyone excited for the next part. Uh, On top of that, there were times in early access where you could see, you know, stuff in the background, but you had no idea what it was because it was hidden behind little tiny yellow caution tape. And so that was exciting because people would start to ask, like, when is that area going to unlock? So it was kind of like a nice tease. Like, they could see, like, where the team was starting to expand but weren't there yet. So it would keep them there. And another big thing is that the progress, the team did everything that they could that from every update to update, all of your progress stayed. Um, I think the twice we had to do just a story progression uh, wipe, but all your unlockables, so everybody's bases, all their armor and everything else, remained for every update. So that way when a new area um opened up, people could just hop in and then just go to that uh, next area because they already had the equipment and the armor to go. Or if they wanted to, um, we would have some people just randomly restart because the team constantly made the time to revamp the tutorial area to make it easier for new players who have come in. Or even players like if I had been playing for a while and you were just hopping in, we can go and restart. And we would both learn stuff and figure out how it's tweaking from there because things had changed since the last time I had been going on.
3: That's so really it's.
4: Cool. Yeah, the pacing and then keeping the progress so that it it helps because there are some amazing bases out there. I don't know if you've seen uh, we've seen pirate ships. We've seen cities that that sprawl across the yard with zip lines to every tower and being able to keep that for every update is just now here. Keep building. Have fun. So
2: that's great. That keeps people engaged. And yes, I've been on the Reddit. And I've been seeing all of the awesome posts of different creative bases that people have been making. I'm very jealous. Oh, yeah. I have a small shack, and that's about it. I am not the creative type at all. Uh, no,
4: I call myself a nomad. I just like to have my little my little stuff. I'll go to another station, build it, do what I need, pack up, and then go to the next one. <laughs> yes, a
2: lot of lean-tos in my world right now. Yes. That's what's going on. I want to talk about, of course, everybody in the Xbox world talks about acquisitions. And we talk about Obsidian Entertainment being one of the darlings that Phil Spencer and the team were able to acquire not too long ago. And really what you all have built there is very special to the Xbox players. But I want to talk about it more on the acquisition side and Game Pass and early access. Do you think or was it made easier to be able to do two years of early access and not have that looming threat of, oh, we couldn't be able to do this if you were just doing this all on your own without Xbox and Game
4: uh, I honestly think Xbox has been such an amazing partner on this whole journey. Um part of the reason, you know, Xbox uh, Game Pass and everything's worked out is because we have that partnership and we're able to go on which was interesting because I believe we were one of the first if not the first on game uh game preview. So it was kind of like a fun for all of us like hey, we're going to check this out and go on this route. Um, without them, we wouldn't have been able to do it. And just knowing that they're there, they're seeing all the updates we put out, and they're just like, you guys keep rocking it. Go do what you want to do. And it just gives the team a little bit more freedom. Um, The other thing, too, is it gives us access to a lot of resources we wouldn't have had if it was just us. So the Xbox Research Lab Center, where we were able to look into arachnophobia mode, which um, thankfully we have in the game, and it does help some people. It keeps. Um, changes the spider to what we call danger dumpling, but it's still pretty terrifying because it makes all the same noises. And they were able to get it to react the same way that a normal spider does. So if you're afraid of spiders and I'm not, we can both play. You can be on arachnophobia mode. I can be on regular, and it's going to act the same, and we're going to be able to fight it together. And this is just some of the stuff that we wouldn't have been able to resolve as quickly as we did without... Xbox being there supporting us and giving us all their um, availability when we needed it to help us out.
2: That's awesome. And of course, yeah. the danger dumpling is now something I'm going to keep in my back pocket because that is a great name as yes. well. That's that's really cool. Wanted to talk about a little bit more uh, when we look at that Play Anywhere. Mm-hmm. Steam, early access, you're on yeah. Xbox One consoles, you're on the new Series X and S consoles, you're on the cloud. How did that help benefits? the team there being able to do that. And also with a small team, was that difficult? Were they spread thin to accommodate all of those different platforms?
4: I think being able to have people access it on different platforms was something that they wanted from the get-go. They they wanted people to play the game. They they wanted to make sure the barrier to entry was lower. So Steam was you know an easy target to get on that. Being able to get up on xCloud, which was great because right as the game launched, um, X Cloud updated it to where you don't need a controller anymore. Uh, you could just use your phone and play. So it's been nice because it gives more people a chance to play the game. Um, I think the team did very well in timing out their work, spacing out their work, working with each other, and working with Xbox to make sure that they weren't spread too thin and that they were able to do what we uh, needed to do. Um, I know there's a great team at Xbox that helped us out sometimes with like the online play and everything else. So it's just been nice to have that and the ability to have everybody play where they want to like being a, i'm waiting for someone to play on a samsung fridge like that's my that's my end goal if we could play on our phones and play on the go <laughs> i want to see the fridge but yeah just having that that allows like families to play together when they go on trips and you can just have everyone sit down and play on their phones while Nana's cooking turkey. I don't know, but it's a lot of fun.
2: That's great to hear as well, and I'm sure someone will accommodate that and play on the I'm Samsung waiting. fridge soon enough. We'll, <laughs> we'll get that on the Reddit. Let's talk about now, the now. We're here at 1.0. Yeah. You have done it, you and the team have crossed the the finish line, but there's still more to do, I'm sure. What does <laughs> the future for Grounded look like? Are we done? Do we all wrap it up and move on to the next project? Or is this going to be a living, breathing game? or as the new kids call it, a live service game. Where do you think that falls with you and the team?
4: The new kids, I love that. (laughs) Right now, the team is currently, as we mentioned, at one point, I came out last week. So the team is currently focused on making sure any reports that come in with issues regarding the game, connectivity, anything is being addressed and being looked at and working on. So right now, that is what the team is focused on, getting all the fixes that they can out and making sure all the systems that are in the game are working. They would love to continue to work on it as long as they could, but we'll see what the future holds for that.
2: Okay. We'll keep an eye on that. Of course, everybody can enjoy 1.0 1.0 right now. They can jump in and play. We'll see where yes. the future takes us. Shyla, I'm gonna end this with some rapid fire fun questions for you. You ready Ooh. for this?
4: I love rapid and All
2: fire. Right. Let's go. Let's do it. Favorite character in the game, playable character. Let's start off with Pete. That.
4: Oh, really? I love Pete. He's, okay. he's adorable. I always play as Pete when I get the chance. And then if it's not Pete, it's Max because I just love his. Um, the lines and everything for his character. Okay.
2: I'm a hoops guy. I love hoops. I about hoops. I like that. Favorite bug, insect, or creature in the game?
4: Larva. Because they honestly what I've heard is their only goal in the backyard is to ruin your day. And I I love that. Just somebody who could wake up and they choose violence. That's great. Okay, choosing violence. (laughs) So I respect the larva. Uh,
2: (laughs) I like that favorite location in the game
4: location i for those of you there's two so there is an oasis in the crab sandbox that is just gorgeous it's super tiny you really can't do much but um what they've done with the landscape in that area is just really cool and the eastern upper yard which was just added in 1.0 because they've introduced a whole bunch of new plants to that area that aren't in the other yard. So there are like some ferns, there's some ivy and a giant tree stump, and everything. So I really like the way to explore it. It's a little bit more dangerous. There are less neutral creatures and more hostile. But it's just such a pretty environment to be in.
2: I like that. I like the koi fish pond. I'm a big fan of taking yes. a swim and uh, going under the water and seeing what lurks underneath there. It's a pretty fun time. Uh, of course, we always compare this or we bring mm-hmm. it into the fun of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And of course, everybody wants to know, we going inside, what can we do? But I guess for you, Shiloh, what I'd like to know is, what would be the dream possible collabs you would love to do over there at Obsidian Entertainment? Because your friends (laughs) over at Rare, they hooked up with Disney, for of course, Pirates of the Caribbean. What would you do if you could have any collab here for Grounded?
4: Well, I mean, there's a few I can think of. There's uh, a few that would be fun. Uh, I am not gonna put that out into the universe verbally just yet, just because I don't want to put it out there and then be sad. So, <laughs> okay,
1: okay, I like. I'm that. just
4: gonna leave it. But yeah, there there are a few collabs, a few different partnerships that would just be so dope. So we'll see what happens. First, we got to finish this 1.0 fix and make sure everybody in the backyard is having a great time.
2: Love that. You know, I had to try to get you on that. One oh, of Everybody wants to know what could be next on that final one. What is your hype level since it's Monday and you and I are recording this and we're talking about hype for the TV show?
4: Oh, I can't wait. I have heard such good things from the team um, because uh, a few people from the team are sitting in on that and figuring out how it's going. So I have not been a part of that just yet uh, because it's still in the early stages. But I am super stoked from what I've heard and the excitement of creative director Mitch Lloyd on it. I am excited to see what becomes of that TV show.
2: All right. (laughs) I'm really excited on my side. I cannot wait to see that. Of course, that will wrap up our fun interview. Shiloh Schofield, social media manager. It's been a blast to hang out with you on the X-Cast. I'm going to wrap it up with this. What can we look forward to? What should we be on the lookout for from you and the team over with Grounded?
4: Yes. Well, if any of you are going to be in the San Diego area at TwitchCon, a few of us, uh, myself included, will be there. So you can come down, say hi. That is this weekend. Oh, sorry, Mike. We're good. Not you, Mike. This Mike. We're good. But (laughs) we're going to be in San Diego at TwitchCon. I'll be there. Community uh, manager Eric Dorabiala will be there, as well as player specialist Chris Stanek. Um, and a few others so you can come hang out check out the brood mother they'll be good other than that i know the team is working hard trying to get some updates so hopefully we'll have some updates and patches going out i'll be the one to help share that and then anything after that you know just keep posting on social keep sharing everything you're sharing on youtube on reddit the team honestly looks at everything like i say that but no they they find stuff before i find it sometimes and they love seeing Everything y'all are talking about whether or not you like something or not. They love to just see the discussion so they could take it back and digest it and see what they can do. So keep sharing, keep posting, keep screaming at those spiders. It's all entertainment and we love it. So thank you.
2: Thank you, Shiloh. I appreciate you being on. And with that, we'll wrap up this internet. We'll catch you next time, everyone. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that interview and hope you've been getting lost in the backyard, having some fun with grounded but guys we are now celebrating 25 years of fallout which is pretty wild to think about and gary i'm gonna need your old school knowledge to guide me because i only know about fallout 3 and onward i never played the original fallout so you're gonna have to tell me all about it but there's a nice blog right up over on bethesda.net all about fallout so in october 1997 players first encountered fallout's post-nuclear world and its memorable characters impactful conversations and stark reminders that war or never changes 25 years later the fallout series is a best-selling franchise that not only helped define pc role-playing games and spawned ent- ent- entries across multiple console generations but also has made its very own tabletop games and even an upcoming television series So throughout the month of October, Bethesda and Fallout are going to celebrate with players on their 25th anniversary. Of course, each week over on Fallout25.com, you can get up to date on what they're going to be doing and how they're going to be celebrating with all the players out there. So for the first week of October, Fallout 76 is having a free-to-play week from October 4th to the 11th. And until November 1st, active Prime Gaming subscribers can pick up the base Fallout 76 game for free on pc and the windows store if you'd like to grab that so guys it's hard to believe 25 years of fallout so i gotta ask what's some of your favorite fallout memories and what is the best fallout game gary widow i'll start with you what's the best fallout game gary
0: well i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna be very annoying okay and and go very very old school on you more old school than you even expected and i'm going to tell you that in my view at least my favorite fallout game isn't even a fallout game it's wasteland which was the spiritual oh. inspiration okay. for uh, okay. fallout if you go all the way back to 1988 i used to play this on my commodore 64 wasteland uh was an incredible um rpg for its for its time and i loved it it was one of the one of the first games that i got really really immersed into the story and the world and i thought it was wonderful i'm not sure how much you know about the history but basically what happened was after interplay wanted to basically had the interplay kind of split from EA or their relationship ended and they wanted to continue making Wasteland games, but they couldn't get the Wasteland IP away from EA. So they created Fallout instead as basically the next evolution of Wasteland um, in all but name. And the weird thing like Wasteland is still going. I mean, there's a Wasteland game on on, X, uh, on Game Pass right now so they've gone on to be i have these kind of like parallel development tracks but there's no question that if there's if there's no wasteland there's no fallout like fallout is absolutely the the kind of the spiritual successor to wasteland in orbit name uh so i played i played the hell out played the hell out of the original wasteland i played so the fallout one and two i think both came out when i was editor of pc gamer so i played both of those and i liked them a lot and it it was it was in very much it's interesting they went through Fallout and like GTA, it seems like a weird comparison, but they went through a very very similar um kind of evolution where like the third game in the series was what totally revolutionized it. If you remember the original Grand Theft Auto and Grand Theft Auto 2, those were kind of like top down 2D uh games. And then when Grand Theft Auto 3 came out, that was the first game that took it into the uh into the into the third dimension and like completely and for a lot of people that's the first GTA game because it's the first one that looks like the GTA that we recognize today and And so it is also with Fallout. The first two fallout games were these very kind of old school um kind of quasi you know two d three d isometric type games. And then Fallout three was the one that brought it um into into three dimensions. And now that you know when you when most people think about fallout, that's what they think of. They think of Fallout three. They think of New Vegas. They think of Fallout four. They think of the, those very immersive three d worlds. But I'm old enough to remember for me when I think about fallout, because I never really played it. It's a big, it's a big, gap in my in my gaming uh, armor i i admit i never really played the 3d fallout games as amazing as they are and when people tell me oh you never played new vegas or fallout 3 these games are amazing i'm sure they are I just never got around to them but i do have fond memories in in in, in the uh, in the 90s of playing the first two isometric fallout games that's where most of my memories lie
2: all right gary i like that i like that what is the best fallout gary besides wasteland
0: I mean, it's again, it's hard for me to say because I haven't I haven't played enough of them to say. And I I always try to avoid best because it's because it's not okay. an objective thing. I'll, I'll just tell you what my favorite one is. I I yes. I, I I really enjoyed the original Fallout because for me as a as a person who loved Wasteland and this is before Wasteland kind of came back years later. Fallout for me was like was the way to continue you know, playing Wasteland in, in in orbit name, and it felt it felt like the next iteration of um, you know Wasteland's the original one on the Commodore sixty four and the Amiga was a very very it's not it's not aged terribly well i mean i think i think you can still find it out there it's available in in different places um but it's 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 ancient you know it looks like you know kind of like the the first you know couple of final fantasy games that were like really really top down really really you know basic graphics and 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 again the iteration has been interesting you went from that really basic 2d stuff almost like kind of ascii art very very basic to you know what for its time in the in the nineties was 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 this very impressive isometric right, you know it was right uh, right before or right around the the birth of kind of three D accelerator cards and and the PCs be, being able to do three D gaming seriously um, and then of course you know pr- and then of course after that when when th- when uh, machines had had, uh, had evolved to the point where we could actually kind of do three D games properly that's when you know Fallout three came along and, and and again kind of birthed the the kind of the modern era Fallout. That we all know so all, all I, I can't tell you what the best fallout game is because i haven't i haven't played them all and i haven't played the, the ones that many people would tell you i'm sure are the best you know three new vegas and four uh i can i can t- t- i can only tell you that my fondest memories are, are, are with those old isometric
2: games i like that gary paris you and i we've talked a lot about fallout new vegas Give me some of your favorite Fallout memories and what is your favorite Fallout?
3: So, I actually didn't come into the series until Fallout 3. Um I I never played the, you know, Fallout 1 or 2, so everything for me started with 3. And when I think moments, I go back to E3 2008 and Pete Hines was the, was the person that walked me through the the that Fallout 3 demo and that's when I realized it was something special. And I don't know if this is showing up in the camera. Hold on. Is that? Yes. What is that? New Cola? Yes. Yeah. I have had this. This was swag that I got at E3 2008. I've had this since then. So I've had this for 14 years and obviously I've never opened it and it what would it take to get you to drink that on stream nothing because i'll probably die (laughs) (laughs) but uh but when i think memories like you know what we've obviously talked a lot about fallout new vegas and that is definitely my favorite fallout because i just think it was had the superior story of you know coming from three and i think it was even better than four i just i just think obsidian did a great job with it but when i think moments i go back to three because coming out of that vault the first time that was such a special moment you know that I'll never forget in in my gaming life um I would say setting off the nuke <laughs> <laughs> the first time it was like a wild moment doing that Uh and finding the finding the alien gun was another one in Fallout three I really loved and uh, you know just the whole storyline with the Brotherhood of Steel and just getting that entire armor set just just that whole package are, are, are just very memorable things and a lot of that stuff obviously carries over into New Vegas and into four and I obviously even into 76 with a lot of the expansions. It's a. Uh, It's 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 a franchise. It's an IP that I think has aged pretty well because you can even like I've dabbled around and gone back and played a little bit of Fallout three just messing around with cloud streaming stuff because it still has my my old save from the 360 game still holds up it does and then like I said obviously. New Vegas is going to be the one that I recommend anybody play, but definitely check out three as well. I think both three and, and new Vegas are, are just fantastic. And the different settings, obviously Vegas, new Vegas is literally in Vegas and fallout three being in Washington, DC um, are both interesting settings to to have, you know, for kind of a wasteland game. So highly recommend both.
2: Oh, I love that Paris. And yeah, I'm going to go with fallout three too. Cause it's fun. When you listen to all the video game podcasts and I hear stories from all of you guys, there's always that one game that you share freshman year of college when you're exploring the dorms and you see that one person with the door open and they're playing whatever that game is. For me, it was fallout three, right? When I was walking the dormitory and I was looking through doors, my friend Matt was playing fallout three and I'll never forget sitting there night in night out, just running around DC, having so much fun with Matt and thinking, wow, this is an unbelievable game that this team has created here. I love the VAT system. I think this is just a great time. And yeah, I loved that. And then to get Fallout New Vegas in 2010, right? And to have that experience all on my own and be able to journey through that, I'll never forget. And I love what Obsidian did with that one. That's a special one that I know me and Paris always yell, hopefully we can get a Fallout New Vegas 2 one time, but going through i mean fallout 4 was really cool i liked that setting a lot i did not like the base building mechanic and that whole no. shelter system i was never into that and then fallout 76 i spent a lot of time with and i'm one of the few that probably played the nuclear winter battle royale more than i should have and that was a bad battle royale but man oh man did it make me smile to run around and play that in a fallout type setting which was really really fun and yeah, you look back on 25 years and you go, man, what a franchise that is. And it's kind of crazy that when we look at Bethesda right now with Starfield and then in the Elder Scrolls, new or Fallout is far away, which is kind of the heartbreaking thing when we celebrate 25 years, how much longer that could be until another one. But the TV show is interesting. Paris, do you think the TV show will be similar to The Last of Us in a hype level, or do you think it will be below that?
3: I think it'll be below. Um, obviously, a lot of this depends on what is the budget going to look look like. But it's pretty clear uh, what they're what what Naughty Dog and, and Sony's doing with The Last of Us. They're treating this like damn near on Game of Thrones type levels, mm-hmm. right? Of of hype. I'm not necessarily expecting the fallouts because I think what Fallout's going to be on Amazon, I believe, right? Yes. But uh, yeah, I'm not expecting it. I, I think it does have potential though. I think it has a lot of potential to be good if they get the right story. I think that setting. You know, is is a great one to you know, to tell a story. And so I mean, we'll see obviously. it's it's interesting because we're clearly in an era now. We're seeing the last of us. You're seeing cyberpunk edge runners. We obviously know the this horizon. Uh, Forbidden West show is going to be coming on Netflix. Obviously, the Witcher stuff that's on Netflix as well. We're seeing a lot of tie ins in from from games and into this other forms of entertainment. So I, I do think they have Bethesda has an opportunity here with it, with this Fallout series. But I would imagine they're either going to do something with 76 or do we get another Fallout game to go? hand in hand with it i would imagine at this point 76 because they're clearly still supporting that game big time we're we're seeing new content consistently coming they're improving it i really wish if i had one complaint because i've dabbled in 76 but i've not played it enough to truly call myself invested into it i really wish they would have cross support for it cross play i should say as far as pc and xbox and playstation communities all being able to play together i think that would really help that community out a lot and look this ain't a killer instinct thing don't don't get mad at me because i i don't know enough i'm just saying from the outside looking in but uh i i wish like i could play on pc and mike you would be on on xbox and we could play together i think that would be awesome but there's definitely a lot of potential with with this franchise left to be seen i loved
2: the vision and the idea of fallout 76 Paris. i think when you play these massive Bethesda titles I think everybody enjoys their journey but I think there's a little piece inside of you that always says man what if I got to share this with a friend and I loved the idea of what they tried with 76 in practice it didn't work out well at the beginning but it was fun for me and my friends to run around that Mm -hmm. world and build and create together I thought that was a really good time especially when you're spearheaded by somebody in your friend group that's like good at the game and truly understands it that goes a long way to the fun that could be had on that one so Uh, an awesome little milestone 25 years of fallout make sure to go check out the website if you want to stay up to date on what they're doing throughout all of october but speaking about the month of october gary witta i'm going to tell you what's coming to game pass right now because you need to know what's coming to the first half of game pass here for october out right now chivalry 2 on cloud console pc gary witta this is a must play game this is one of my favorite games I believe of last year, a great game to play with your friends. If you're looking to just massive multiplayer medieval battles where you're hucking off and chopping off people's limbs, you should check this game out. They've had a couple of great updates. And I hear Greg Miller is in the game. If you have a nice keen ear, you might be able to hear him somewhere in one of the maps. But I'm a big fan of Chivalry 2. Out on October 6th, you have Medieval Dynasty on Xbox Series X and S. Then you have the Walking Dead, the complete first season on PC, and the Walking Dead season two on PC as well. Gary, I think you worked on that game. Is that right? I worked on season one. Yeah. Oh, oh wow! Yeah.
3: I didn't know that. You didn't oh know I, that no, first, I did yeah. know that. No, I knew that. Yeah, but the game or just the series? On the uh, I on on
0: season one of uh, of the Telltale game, I was the story consultant across the whole oh, series, and I, and I wrote. Didn't
2: I didn't know and that. And I wrote yeah. episode four. Yeah. Of, of the
0: wow. Five episodes. Yeah.
2: Pretty awesome, Gary, right there. That's a special one. Do you go back and play that at all to remember all the fun that you had with that? No,
0: I've never gone back. I I, I very rarely go back and look at anything that I worked on. It's 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 weird, you know. Most most people like most people will tell you that they rarely go back and like watch or play things that they worked on because by by the time you by the time you you finish you you you're kind of a little bit sick of it and you it's it and it's hard to kind of engage with it or enjoy it the way that someone else would because you know you've been in you once you've been like inside it you can't really enjoy it as just a regular person playing the game because you think about like oh this scene was a real hassle to work on or whatever like you can't just like step outside of yourself and enjoy it the way you uh you would want someone else to but i'm, yeah, I'm really glad that people continue to like it and it's you know it's what now coming out there's gonna be 15th anniversary of the walking dead no, it's, the t- it's the 10th anniversary right now right because the game came out in 2012 um and it just it's one of those perennials it just keeps coming back and keeps coming back and obviously october everyone likes to put you know likes to feature you know kind of spooky and scary horror themed content so it's it's one of it's one of those kind of perennials that i think is going to be with us for a long time and it's great because it really is a really is a cool game it's It's a special game
3: yeah it's one of the games that made me cry i'll never forget going into that last episode um like I, I was literally shaking just, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone that's that's not played it. But man, just just definitely had had an emotional hit there.
2: Yeah, it's so a Sean Bannerman you know, special right now, there, yeah. episode five. Yeah. yeah, that's a great game, a great experience. Go check it out if you're over on PC. Coming out on October 11th, Costume Quest coming to cloud and console. Then mm-hmm. you have Evil coming out to console and PC. This is Among Us type game, all about multiplayer. Social deduction. So maybe you want to jump in for a little among us type style fun. Go check that one out. Then moving on, we have out on the 13th and 14th Dyson Sphere program on PC and Scorn coming to Cloud Console, the Xbox Series X and S.
3: Personally, you playing Scorn or what? I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's okay. I I look, I still don't know what the hell it is, but I'm looking forward to checking it out. I've just seen like I know like skill up as an example. Uh, got to preview it a little bit, and he seemed to enjoy it. So I'm like, you know what, uh, let's, let's see on the 14th. It's the 14th, right? The 14th, that is yeah. correct. Yeah, looking okay. forward to it.
2: Right around the corner. And then out on October 18th, a Plague Tale Requiem coming to cloud uh, PC and Xbox Series X and S. This is the big time sequel, to the first Plague Tale. This is going to be a good one, so keep an eye out on that one. Your games for gold with Octo- for October our wind bra- Windbound and Bomber Crew Deluxe Edition. Personally, this was an odd one with no Xbox 360 games anymore. We have now reached the end of Xbox 360 games with games with gold at this time.
3: Yeah, it's funny because I had, I had forgot that September was the month that Portal 2 was like basically one of the last 360 mm-hmm. games that you could get for gold. So I think it was like not the last day, but the day before I remembered and I was like, oh crap. And I went and grab and tweeted out and a bunch of other people grabbed it too. But it started another conversation on social media, which I, I tend to agree with. I get when we talked about it on the show, look, I get the original idea what games were gold, but now that you're not even doing 360 games anymore and we're getting into just obviously Xbox One and series games that I guess they're going to be offering up. I don't know. I, I almost just wish we would just get rid of gold entirely. I, I, I truly don't see the, the need for it anymore. And I realize they're not going to do it anytime soon. But I do hope now that we're free to play games aren't going to be tied to it, that just multiplayer games altogether no longer require gold. And obviously, you know, just have people go to Game Pass. You get access to way more games anyways.
2: Guys, it is time to say goodbye for our final work from home episode. Gary Witta, I know Gundog is also coming to a close, but also a new beginning somewhere else. So Gary, please promote Gundog one more time from our little Brady Bunch box, okay?
0: Yeah, that's right. Thank you for paying attention. You're you're you're, you're exactly right. Um as uh, this goes out on uh, currently this goes out on a Wednesday, right? So uh, tonight as you're listening to this, if you're listening on a Wednesday, we have our fi- it's the final episode, episode 9. Series finale on uh, live on Twitch at twitch.tv/gary. at seven PM Pacific, uh, but if you're listening via the podcast, which is you know where the where the, the bulk of the audience actually is, we're actually the number three sci-fi podcast in, in America right now, behind uh, behind like two of the biggest podcasts you know, in the world, uh, Night Vale and um, Old Gods of Appalachia. So to be in, in third place behind them is pretty amazing. We just we just started the podcast run. Episode two just dropped this week. Uh, uh, podcast services around the globe. You know, that's I've learned how to do this from Greg Miller. Uh, Go, go check it out and um, add it to your podcast feed and you'll get new episodes uh, every Tuesday for uh, the next several weeks. It's, it's been exciting to finally launch the podcast version.
2: Congratulations, Gary. That is really rad. Paris. I want you to tease the best friends watching and listening with one final thing. Of course, this is our final work from home episode of course you will be our remote guy but you will be in the studio a lot with us. What can fans expect from an in-studio type podcast that they haven't gotten from this podcast ever?
3: Uh probably a lot more hijinks and yes. and <laughs> I don't honestly I don't know. I don't know why you threw it to me. I've never done a podcast in studio. This this will be a, a a new thing for me as well. So all I can say is I'm I'm excited that For the opportunity when i will be able to be in studio with all three of us together um i I think the conversations will definitely flow a lot better like i said i'm sure there will be some hijinks and tomfoolery that'll happen as well and it should be a lot of fun
0: i I think definitely better energy not that the energy on this show has ever been lacking but like one thing that i think we know like just from from all of our lives you know zoom meetings and everything and and having Mm -hmm. to do everything remotely it's like there's always a bit of a disconnect it's never quite the same as actually being in the room in terms of like having that physical connection that eye to eye connection with people um having done you know many uh games dailies and other podcasts with the kind of funny guys in studio i really miss it because it's just it's just cool to be in the room to be in the studio and again and again when you see this new studio Uh, Kind of funny, best friends. You will shit your pants because it is really, really impressive. And I, 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 I'm I'm excited about coming in, um, and and being a part of this, being being uh, being a part of the studio because I think it's gonna, uh, I think it's gonna lead all of us to to want to raise our games. Like, man, this dude is impressive. I better bring it.
2: Love that. Well, thank you too. Get ready for a whole lot of energy, some tomfoolery for sure, and some hijinks coming from us at the Kind of Funny X Cast and beyond with all of your kind of funny content starting on October 14th, the big reveal. Remember all next week, you will have no content, which means no kind of funny X cast, excluding games daily and a kind of funny podcast. You'll get one more of those, but if you're listening and watching, we will not see you until Wednesday, the 19th. So keep an eye out for us there. And we'll have a whole lot of fun coming your way in a brand new studio space. Don't miss out with that gamers. Goodbye. We'll catch you next time. Peace.